0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started.
1: All right, we're in. Now I can actually eat something. (laughs) All
2: right. Bring in the cadaver.
1: (laughs) We're here at Heritage Craft Butchers in Mariana, Pennsylvania. I'm with my buddies, Bob and Jared. They're gonna show us how to butcher a pig today, but we can't do that on an empty stomach, so basically right now, we're gonna try some of this amazing sliced meat while they tell us a little bit about their stories. So guys, how did this all happen? Well, I
2: guess I can get started. Um, Um, so uh, my wife and I uh, moved down to a small farm, a homestead, if you will, in Greene County, Pennsylvania about six years ago. And uh, we started raising, you know, pigs, ducks, chickens, just sort of self-taught like how to break them down and turn them into value-added products like what you have on the board here. I did that for a year or so and then uh, reconnected with a uh, guy, Wes, who was my roommate for one semester in college, um, he just found me on Facebook one day and sent me a message and said, "Hey, you know, I've always wanted to slaughter a pig and turn, turn it into all the stuff, you know." And I was like, "Well, today is your lucky day." <laughs> and then along the way, uh, through a mutual friend of Wes uh, and myself, met Jared and. It's a what, forager. You were, at the time, case. yeah, that was your claim <laughs> was, to fame. That was
3: my main occupation. Yeah, yeah, forager <laughs> hunter. Yeah,
2: yeah. So our friend uh, Jamie, you know, said, "Hey, I'd like to come down to your house. Uh, you know, maybe have something to eat, just talk about the farm and everything. And do you mind if I bring my friend, who's a forager?" And I was, of course, like, "Sure, knock yourself out, bring whoever you want. Weirdo- <laughs> bring that <laughs> weirdo." Yeah, yeah, and I, I had, a, I had an image in my head of what this, Jamie's friend, the forager, and, and it was it, just pretty It, it was it not that far yeah. off. It was really yeah. Oh, that, we had, um, what, did we have the, the bison testicles? Yeah, bison testicles. Cured duck and eggs and some other stuff. and bison. Just bison sort here. of, um, so which
1: one of these was the bison testicles? None of those, none of those. That was
2: a one and done uh, It was project. good, though. It, it wasn't yeah?
4: bad.
2: It was yeah. Real good. That year, I got, you know, another pig for Wes, got a pig for Jared, unfortunately, at you know nine ten months go by and jared's pig didn't actually grow at all so jared's pig started off this big and ended up you know, this big <laughs> you gave him a pot belly, didn't yeah, you? yeah yeah i don't know uh what was his name dookie, dookie. <laughs> yeah, <was> his name. <laughs> yep so uh you know we got to the end of that year and um we you know we were making italian style uh charcuterie spanish style charcuterie An old barn in a barn oh cool um you know, we built you know curing chambers out of old refrigerators. We butchered all those animals. We made salamis and copas and, and, and prosciuttos and got them all hung up there and had sort of that realization at the end of it of like, we have thousands of pounds of cured meats that you, we're going to eat like an ounce at a time. And there's no way we're ever gonna finish it. And we'd like to do this again next year, like keep it going, but we can't do it at this volume. So we were like, hey, why don't we open a butcher shop? Yeah, why not? There was a, little There's a little bit of <laughs> bourbon involved. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. right? There's a <laughs> lot of bourbon involved.
1: A little bit. All right, so... You have this huge stash of stuff you guys have been, you know, experimenting with, trying out, and you decided the only way we're going to be able to do this again is if we sell some of this because there's too much. Correct. Where do you
2: go from there? <laughs> well, we're looking at buildings. Logically, you should tell your wife that you have made this decision I thought that I did. No, yeah, we started looking for buildings until uh, this old bank popped up in the weekly email from the from the real estate agent. It was affordable, I mean, it was a cheap building, had a vault, it seemed like it was in, in reasonable condition. And uh, then you just sort of, it, it, you take it piecemeal. You know, being the general contractor for a, a renovation of turning a bank into a butcher shop is not, it's not a turnkey operation, so. Yeah, any, like,
3: anywhere we would be, we would have uh, extreme overhead to turn any building into what we wanted it to be yeah. um, so we found this building that was very cheap and we kind of walked in and saw how potential. was going we yeah, like, immediately it was the first building we were like and we knocked down that wall and that'll be the cutting room and it just kind of yeah. it was a no-brainer
1: when we walked when I walked in I was like taken aback by how beautiful it looks but what really surprised me was as we're touring the facility, looking where we're going to film today, uh, this cutting room is surrounded by thick glass. I thought that was a health code thing. I'm thinking, oh, they got to have a- people watching the cutting. they got to be behind glass. Buying a bank worked out perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, it's the bullet-resistant uh, 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 acrylic panes of glass that were already there. And it, it was just a pragmatic thing. It was like... I. Yeah. I still don't know how we would actually remove those if we wanted to. <laughs> so it just worked at, by leaving them there, it created a barrier from, you know, the retail area and the production area. See how the sausage gets made. Yeah. I mean, that's, a lot of it was just uh, transparency uh, to, we want people to come in and watch us do things. It, there's nothing that's hidden yeah. and, and, and uh, away from public view because... You know the process was interesting to us. I mean, that's what we got started doing was just like the mechanics of it, the process, and the ingredients. So uh, being able to share that with people, uh, regular customers. I mean, even like with the butchery clinics and the different events that we have, a lot of it is just based on um, giving away all the secrets. You know, I mean, yeah. It, it, that's I think that's a that's a uh, something from from. Days of yore of the whole like oh there's a secret ingredient if I told you to have to kill you, type <laughs> of the thing it's like no I mean I'll 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 teach anybody how to make sausage or bacon or prosciutto or whatever. These are salamis that are fermenting. They're not all that pretty yet. Mm-hmm. We inoculate. This machine is a proofing cabinet. This is where you would make uh, you would raise bread. You'd put dough in there and it would it would ferment and it would fluff up and everything like that. What we do is when we make salami is we inoculate the mix with a culture of lactobacillus bacteria. And then there's some sugar in the cure, in the, there's some red wine, there's some dextrose or whatever. That bacteria will eat that sugar and produce lactic acid. So whenever you eat salami and it kind of tastes like... Um, like garlicky but tangy, like a little bit of a sour flavor. Yeah. That's lactic acid. So what we're doing in there is cultivating the bacteria that make-
4: Is the s- lactic acid bad?
2: No, it's good. No. Botulism, botulinum. C. botulinum bacteria, what gives you food poisoning, Real bad. doesn't grow in acidic environments, it doesn't grow in oxygenated environments, and it doesn't- Isn't
4: that like everywhere on the earth? in the oxygen? Right,
2: except whenever you, if you do canning, like you can green beans, mm-hmm you're removing all the oxygen from the can. So you have an anaerobic environment and green beans aren't naturally acidic. So you have to either add acid to it or or pressure can them to kill the spores. By fermenting these, they become acidic. It drops the pH. And by doing that, it prevents botulism from growing in that sausage. So it's basically one of the steps to preventing food poisoning. That's why once they're done here and we hang them in that room, they can hang in there at 55 degrees for six months without turning like into poison, basically, more <laughs> or less. Yeah. You know what, if you go off and just make it yourself, great but nobody's gonna sell you a leg if you want to go buy a bank <laughs> somewhere and open a meat shop more power yeah. to you it's probably not going to work out for you, but you know, you'll be back you'll be yeah. back
3: this is so. the the culture of what we're trying to do here with all the local foods um, trying to bring in all these local animals these heritage animals and show people the process the people our customers are different than people that are just going to go walmart and get their meat um, so they, they kind of want that more they want to see exactly how everything's being made
1: and how we're cutting it up. One of the things we had to learn really early on running our farm business back in Connecticut was your customer is not the person going into Walmart. That's Mm -hmm. such a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, When you guys are looking for customers, uh, who do you find coming through the door and coming back through the door? What's your kind of customer? What do they care about?
3: The, the locality is, is a big deal. You know, you, you drive, you drove here through through cow fields. I mean, you saw how many cows on yeah. right here, sheep, yeah. lambs all out in the field. Um, there's no reason we shouldn't be eating those animals as opposed to animals that have been raised in Texas and then shipped in a box to Walmart or Giant Eagle. So um, trying to give back to the community, it helps us too because these animals are. Delicious. They're they're of a higher quality than what you're going to find um, anywhere else. So that's kind of the heart and soul of, of what we want to do. And
2: then there's also, I mean, products that uh, you just can't find anywhere else. Whether it's uh, an esoteric cut of meat that you're not going to find at a supermarket, um, or you know, products like the the dry cured, you know the, the charcuterie program that we have. Um, there are products that we make in the shop here that. I can almost guarantee you would not find within a 500 mile radius. Of the there are area. versions, yes, at Giant Eagle and, right. and Walmart. <laughs> right, but you, can get, pepperoni you yeah. get pepperoni. You get pepperoni. You get bologna, but it is but it's, not going to taste like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah. pepperoni. But there is, there, I mean, there are there are chorizos that are um, um, from a specific town in Spain.
1: Let's talk about this board yeah, because sure. I mean, this is. We were going to get right to cutting pigs, and then I saw this. I was like, I'll hold the phone. We have another video to make. (laughs) What are some of these cuts here that we're looking at that that you're not going to find anywhere else?
3: Um, So, I mean, we can start with our mortadella, which is bologna, for lack of a better word. Um, But this is an older recipe. Um, There's a little liver in it. We've got um, pistachios. There's big chunks of pork fat, um, some green peppercorn. It's just fresher and, and different than... Oscar Meyer, <laughs> um, and we've got a Cantapalos. Yeah, yeah, yourself, but go yeah, for it, go And for
4: it. there was one. Uh, we
3: are missing what, what one. Was there? What was yeah. Genoa? That was the Genoa. Genoa. Yeah, oh. large Her diameter. Genome. Your your canonical Genoa salami.
1: That was the ten year old approved. That one's
3: <laughs> gone. That was definitely good, yeah, for sure. And we have a, a Cantapalos chorizo. We've got a Pamplona chorizo, and the chorizos are fun because you know there's are regional Spanish chorizos. Um, with, with varying, they're, they're all very similar. There's a lot of paprika, some spice in them. So regional,
1: um, you're saying that the meat, you guys are sourced, or the, uh, the, the ingredients? Recipe, the the recipe, recipe is from So the meat is local. Yeah. The recipe's right. different places. What's yeah, their two spots all
3: here? Old world charcuterie made in southwest PA with southwest Pennsylvania animals. Right.
1: So local, yeah. local produce all the way, yeah. but recipes from all over the world, exactly. yeah. which is kind of the best of both worlds. Absolutely. You're getting the variety that is out there, but from your local community. I mean, right. that, that's what everybody yeah. loves. Like,
2: for example, that Pamplona-style chorizo. Like, most of your your canonical um, Spanish chorizas are going to be all pork with lots of, like, smoked uh, pimentone or you know, smoked Spanish paprika. But um, in Pamplona, that's where you have, like, the running of the bulls. So, like, you know, once a year you have a bunch of well-exercised beef that isn't necessarily ideal for cutting T-bones or ribeyes or something like that. So the the primary uh, meat in that chorizo is beef and it's studded with pork fat and has, you know, the the pimenton dolce or picante from, you know, from Spain in there. But I mean the cow itself is from three miles that way or one mile that way or seven miles that way. So you have a hyper-local, um, base product and then imported ingredients, you know, whether herbs and spices and stuff like that.
1: So that that recipe there was their solution to the running of the bulls. So we have all this extra, right, yeah. meat that's not going to be good steaks. Right, they made that. Exactly. That is so cool. That story that
2: behind, behind that. Yeah. What else we got there, Jared? You got some pepperoni.
3: Pepperoni. Um, just an older recipe, of pepperoni. Um, the guy in the middle there is one of our original recipes. It's just garlic rosemary. Um, one of our employees just decided to make that. Um she actually pan like roasted the rosemary to really embolden that flavor and it really comes out. Um, it's good stuff. Can I ask you a, a question? Absolutely. Please where do. do.
4: Where do you get all your meat where do you get the cows? Do people send you in cows and then you do the butcher and then send it back to them? So or do you get your own?
3: No, we we source from local farmers that, that have become friends. We have this whole heritage family of, of several beef farmers, uh, pork farmers, um, so what we'll do is we, we talk to the farmer and we say, hey, we want two beef this month. They send them in to a local slaughterhouse. We don't slaughter here. Um, so they're, all of our animals are slaughtered under USDA um, regulation and then we get them, we get quartered cows and
0: Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
3: That's good. Wow, that was great. And we, yeah, we we cut them here from from the whole quartered cows or whatever. You'll see a half pig pretty
2: here, pretty soon here. The top half. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I think it's a left half. Yeah, it's left Well, pig. he's a lefty, so he's <laughs> happy. Cool. We got South Park pig.
2: Yeah, then uh, what do we got here a uh, mole salami yeah. um, based on like your, your Mexican stewing spices, your mole sauce with uh, cumin and ancho chili powder and guajillo chilies, cocoa, cocoa, nibs. cocoa nibs, cocoa powder, mm-hmm. and, like nice. all that kind of good stuff. It, it tastes like a Mexican restaurant. It's fantastic. That's this guy here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we,
1: I uh, spent a lot of time in Mexico with my buddies growing up surfing. Yeah. And... Uh, Mole, man, that was, my uncle is Mexican, and he, that, so I went with him, and it was like, all right, what is he order, and I'm going to order that. Yeah. And every it time, it was mole, it. so. Cool.
3: Bresla are these kind of triangular pieces. That's a B5 round, um, either from our Perford uh, or a Angus cow. Um, B5 round just cured in uh, juniper, black pepper, uh, a little bit of rosemary sometimes, and then um, just literally hung up to dry. And, uh, there's not much more to it.
1: Okay, rewind. <laughs> that is awesome. That is a Mexican party in the mouth. Give all wow, the credit great. to
3: Wes, our third, who is not able to be here. He, he that. has developed that. Each, each iteration of, of these different recipes are either a little bit better or a little bit different.
1: That is a Mexican Blackwater party in the mouth.
2: That's third seat. That's awesome. Yeah. That's third seat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Spill some for our, our homie Wes. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, uh, that is good, guys. That yeah, and it, it's feeling. nice too because
2: like as it comes up to your like body temperature, like all those flavors oh, sort yeah. of bloom and just fill your mouth. Oh, like whenever we put out samples of different things that we have here, I always tell people to eat that last because it's gonna it's gonna blow out like all your flavor. Oh, receptors. Yeah. Like if you eat that and you follow up with like a Fouet or a or a Tuscan salami or something, like yeah, you're yeah. not gonna you're, you're <laughs> just gonna get texture and nothing else because it's just. There are so many flavors in there, and they're all unique, and they are all they all sort of like melt together real nice. That massive. is so good. Wes, awesome. is,
3: Wes is the master of flavor around here. He, yeah. he comes up with most of the, the best recipes, and, and the things that taste good is probably came from him. Absolutely.
1: That's that's by far, that's my favorite. And I got a soft spot for the Mexican flavors, but <laughs> that one is great. But it's all been fantastic. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, we got a cut here from an Osaba Island pig. Uh-huh. You guys are big, obviously, into heritage breeds. Tell me a little... I know we'll learn more as we're cutting up the pigs, but why do you guys like working with heritage breeds?
2: You know, your your heritage breeds, they were developed uh, throughout history for particular purposes by particular people, um, and they have their own characteristics, and generally um, they were bred to take advantage of either um, habit or terroir or climate or to produce... Uh, uh, specific products, whether it's pork fat or beef musculature or a long, you know, uh, broad pork belly Um, and pretty much like uh, uh, speed of growing to market weight or, you know, water retention weren't qualities that were bred into those animals. So they are basically they were bred for quality and um, resilience and durability and stuff first. And uh, as opposed to your 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 modern hybrid uh commodity animals which are just how quickly can you grow to 180 pounds you know if it's three months great if it's five months okay whatever and everything else kind of takes a backseat to that um so by using you know first local second heritage breeds we knowing what the, the the hallmark of the breed is we can make products that sort of express the uh the value proposition of that thing, whether it's a, a pig with a really thick buttery fat cap or, um, you know, a, a, a cow or a, you know, a steer or whatever that doesn't really get to a market weight until later on in its life. Uh, that has like a beefy, uh, you know, deep rich flavor to it. Um, we can, we're agile enough with the products that we make that we can highlight, um, sort of the benefits of each individual animal. <laughs> that
1: is a really good skill to have for a homesteader or to know somebody with that yeah, skill yeah. because things get away from you, plans change. Let's say you have a dairy cow who's a couple of years old mm-hmm. and then she's not being rebred and you try you do everything you can. Now you got this older cow or maybe it's a breeder pig, a big old sow that's yeah. only going to be good for sausage. Yep. You got on the homestead you have a lot of different animals that you're going to have to come up with a creative way to process and handle them, And this is like, I mean, this is ideal. Now, obviously this is a a skill that takes someone like me who's just getting into something, isn't going to be able to do this, but finding a place, somebody like you guys who are able to take a product and turn, highlight it instead of hide it. That's one thing I think butchers or um, hunters do a lot wrong. We kill, we go out and we kill this venison, which has some amazing things particular to it. Absolutely. And too many guys are like, now, back, douse it in Worcestershire so. sauce and, and, like, hide the flavor. Or you like the back straps and grind it. Even worse, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just learn a little bit more about the meat. Even if you're never like me, I'm never going to do what you guys do. But I find just dabbling, learning yeah. a little as much as you can will better what you do on the homestead, and then you will find connections with people. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is lost because a lot of us grew up getting Walmart steak, mm-hmm. and it's only so many things you know what to do with a Walmart steak or pork, pork, pork chops. Yeah. oh, pork chops, so we, we least around, favorite
3: cut. We go round and round with people that are used to supermarket pork chops. Yeah, that have this like thin, sickly fat cut. And they'll come in here or they'll comment on some of our Facebook posts. Like, oh, there's too much fat on that. I'd never sell a, yeah. sell a pork truck with that much fat on it. And like, You just you just don't get it. You like don't the, know. That fat is, is... It might take up like a... third of the the actual meat on it but it'll render and you'll just get these awesome little cracklins or you just cut it off and eat it and the the health of that fat these are these are healthier animals these are animals that are eating good food these are animals that are well cared for and pastured um and in small quantities and not kept in a pen that, that they're chewing on the tail in front of them and these are that fat is actually much better for you yeah. than, than just commodity
1: pork. It's actually proven that it's
3: healthier for you.
1: The key to all this, right, for the homesteader like me, all the way up to what you guys do, is the knowledge. And you guys are big on sharing, like you said. There's no secrets here, right? What do you guys do to the, for the local community and anybody willing to travel to help teach this stuff? Well, we, we have services. I
3: mean, yeah, yeah we, you'll, you'll be seeing shortly um, our, our butchery clinics. We, we actually feed a full course dinner at this awesome butcher block um family style usually big pork roast and a couple sides you're going to be full a little bit of charcuterie involved in that and then we take you back into the cutting room and we will take apart uh Half of a pig. Sometimes we're, we'll do a, a lamb. Occasionally, we did a, a venison one that was really popular. Oh, cool! Um, and uh, we're going to be doing a beef one next week. That's sold out.
2: Yeah, like a high quarter of beef.
3: Yeah. So, just show them how how yeah. we break them down. And we don't we don't use the bandsaw hardly gets used never gets used on pork. Um, basically, we only use the bandsaw when we're cutting like t-bones and um, you know the bigger chunks of, of beef. Um, so it's it's all. More heritage style yeah. cutting techniques as well. Sums so kind of into the name. Something things that do. Yes. Yeah, we, so just, we just love stuff like that. But we also do you know, yeah, baking we, clinics. Yeah, we just
2: started with a baking clinic, so, oh, similar nice. thing, a little bit more, not as big of a time commitment. Where it's like Saturday afternoon, people come in. Everybody has a five pound slab of pork belly, and we go through. It's not just like oh, you know, here's 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 a mix that you put in there. It's like this is this is how curing works. This is the. The biology, the chemistry, the physics of it. This is why we're applying these ingredients in the quantities that we are. This is what's going to happen to transform this from raw pork into a finished product. Um, and then they have their, uh, they can select whatever spices and herbs that they want to flavor oh, that with. Custom. Nice. Yeah. That's and then awesome. you know, an hour later, they're they're done. They leave two weeks. It cures in the in the walk-in, um, and then we smoke that. Uh, repackage it for them, let them know and they come and pick it up. And it's, uh, I mean, that's been a, sort of like a runaway success oh, over the man. past five months. We, our bacon. we yeah.
3: dry cure all of our bacon, so it all goes in a vacuum seal bag with a perfect amount of, of cure and ingredients. Uh, individual bags, and then into the smoker. So it's not like we're brining them. Yeah. yeah. It
2: takes so- a long time. It's labor-intensive. <laughs> but <laughs> makes you know, a superior product. You know, yeah. The product is fantastic. I mean, we just keep ramping, you know.
1: I-, I love that idea because people will leave with everything you guys are doing here, people are going to leave with a story. Which means they're going to tell their friends, Mm -hmm. and when their friends hear about it, you're going to get more people here. Exactly. And And that's how we, this just snowballed. Yeah. Word of mouth at first, and now it's all, you know, it's all social media. Awesome. Awesome. So
3: easy to advertise there, and, you know, we've we've got some super fans that are just... Oh, yeah. Just rallying behind us and telling all their friends. So, So
1: speaking of which, if people want to follow you, if they're not local to Pennsylvania, but they want to learn through your social media... When do you guys? When does Block Talk launch? Uh, (laughs) Don't put
2: put that on me. All right. (laughs)
3: Uh, Yeah, we're all over Facebook, Heritage Craft Butchers, um, and on Instagram at at Heritage Heritage Craft Butchers. Um, And it's yeah, we we don't do a whole lot of like of the informational videos. We might put some of this up now. We'll have a few today. Uh, But it's if you want to see beautiful pictures of our cuts and and just kind of the unique things that we're doing here, we, we post we. We try to get on a schedule. We literally have a meeting every Tuesday and and block off who's going to post what every single day. So nice. we usually have a post going out every day, um, just something fun that we're doing.
1: You yeah. definitely should follow their Instagram. Uh, look for the pig snake and say hello from host. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pig snake, and a big whole pig yeah.
3: porchetta. We do yeah, pig roast. I we'll debone it all from ankle to, to wrist. Yeah. And
1: Kay and I were looking at that today, and we were like, we gotta we got to find a reason to have a party this summer to do a pig snake, so yeah. <laughs> we'll be calling you guys. <laughs> Cause, cause we will <laughs>
2: provide it. We try to, um, like one of the things that early on, I mean, when you're just starting and you barely have any customers, it was a lot easier, but we got into sort of a, um, a, a pattern of, you know, if people are going to engage with us online or, you know, in email or Facebook or Instagram or whatever... Um, like, we're going to answer their question. Like, we, people ask a stupid question, not a stupid question, but a simple question, mm-hmm. and then they get 1,500 words back because it's like, this is, like, literally yeah. what you need to know. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe. Like, thank you. You so know, and, um, to the butcher. Right? We, still, we still try to maintain that, and it, 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 it has grown into a significant uh, amount of labor just to, oh, to yeah. communicate with people, but as much as possible that we can do that, there's no reason not to. I mean, if you ask a question, if we know the answer to it... We're going to tell you what it is. Yeah.
1: And from now on, you're going to record those answers. And that's your first episode of Block Talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be pushing that, Bob. Any, yeah, executive any producer? Any yeah. excuse
2: to buy a, like new computers? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you you know, see all Like the new Mac Pro's out?
3: Pack and light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We're very responsive to like, our social media messages. Yeah. We get them all day long about simple things like, hey, do you guys have kibasa today? Yes or no. <laughs> you no. know, like, Or... know can i schedule this or or can you explain to me what this is that you guys do
1: if Um, you guys want to learn more we'll have links below to your social media stuff we'll have links below to your website Uh, you guys do private events right yeah like parties you do the events like this (laughs) um we do a all kinds of Oh, yeah, the Which bunch of tables,
3: uh, that's been very popular. We this whole table will be covered from edge to edge with pickles, cheeses, Ooh, nice. all of our charcuterie, uh, a little bit of
2: candies. You want to come back for pickle candy. day, don't you? Tied things with cheeses indeed. on, like it's this tables from the Civil Maybe want War.
4: want them off the gluten and dairy. Food, there you right? go. Gluten yeah. and dairy
2: free. Yeah. All right. Well, no milkshakes or crackers for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: Well, guys, I could sit here and talk, shop all day. we got a half a pig to cut up. Indeed. So this video is over, but stay tuned because in the next series, we're going to have a whole playlist here with the Heritage Craft Butchers. We're going to show you the steps, taking a half of a pig and breaking it down into all the most delicious things that you love about half of a pig or all of a pig. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Make sure to subscribe. If you follow the playlist, which will show up right here, Follow oh, that playlist to will see all the videos here. bunch of this stuff. That guy, shoot, man. That's good stuff. I haven't, I haven't tried it in a
4: while. Did you like this podcast? As always, there's an extended version of this interview in the Pioneers Only Library. In that version, our butchers talked about using different breeds for different kinds of meat. Bob talked about older chickens and their meat value.
2: you don't have a lot of people, I'm sure, that have chicken. I mean, that's a, 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 an easy foray into right. homesteading. It's just right. like having a flock of chickens. And chickens are so diverse. I mean, there's hundreds of breeds. They're all visually distinct.
4: You can gain access to that episode in all our extended versions by becoming a pioneer. Click the link in the description of this podcast. It's $5 a month. You can become a pioneer. You can download the audio versions of all our extended episodes and listen to them like you do all our podcasts as you drive, while you're taking a jog. Go to thisishomestudy.com and click on shop and then pioneer membership. In next week's episode of the Homesteady podcast, stay tuned. We're going to talk about quitting your job and starting a duck farm. That's coming next in the Homesteady Podcast.